and open up your Bibles to John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1. Uh, I want to thank everybody for uh, always be really encouraging when I'm speaking and afterwards and, and praying for me. A lot of people came up and said they're praying for me, and I really appreciate that. Um, I do want to say, you know, uh, it's my desire, my prayer, um, that afterwards that you don't just say, I, I enjoyed that message, but that you, you say, you know, it touched my heart. Um, I think that's what every preacher wants to hear um, the most. Um, when, when thinking about what to speak on for today, I, I settled on um, another passage, but then my brother out of the blue sent me a, a, a random text. Um, this is what he said. He said, random thought, without looking it up, how many disciples can you name? I could only think of seven. That was his words, not mine. Um, <laughs> and he actually had two of them wrong. Uh, we, were, we were very competitive as, as children. Um, but my brother and I rarely text. Um, so this was, and, and he's, he doesn't ever talk about spiritual things. So this is probably the most random text I ever had. Um, but, but it got me started thinking about the apostles. And I thought a lot about this text today. And this is my favorite calling of the apostles. Uh, my absolute favorite. Um, I, I talk to Mr. Fraser sometimes about uh, the, maybe the, the, maybe you've seen the, the TV series uh, The Chosen, um, and this is my favorite episode in that um, because I, I just love this story so much. And so I'm really excited, and I hope that um, afterwards that that you'll see why uh, this is my favorite. Uh, it is the calling of Philip and Nathaniel, the calling of Philip and Nathaniel. Um, so we're about to read the passage. It's going to be in, in John chapter one, verse forty-three. Um, But before we read it, I want you to look for the verbs uh, find and see, okay? Find and see, uh, because that's where our our main points are are coming from today. Uh, So hopefully you're in in John 1, uh, begin reading with me in verse 43. It says, uh, the day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, uh, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and saith of him, Behold an Israelite, indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Let's pray. Uh, dear Jesus, I pray you'll be with us as we, as we walk through this passage today. Father, I pray it'll be your words, and, and, and Father, the, just your word that speaks to our hearts. Uh, Father, I pray that our hearts will be spoken to, that, that maybe some will be saved. Father, that some will decide that they, they will follow you uh, and, and do so wholeheartedly, Father. Uh, I pray that uh, you will speak to us tonight, help us to have uh, open hearts, uh, we pray this in, in your name. Amen. Uh, today's sermon is titled, After Finding Jesus. After Finding Jesus. Uh, our first main points, I'll, I'll tell you right off the bat, is going to be finding Philip, 
Finding Nathaniel and Finding Jesus. Hopefully you saw those as we as you kind of read through them. Um, now, I, I love finding things. Um, I should say some things. You know, sometimes when the kids are quiet, we're, we're scared about what we're going to find, you know. But I'm not talking about like when, you, when, you, when I find something incidentally, right? But when you, when you search for something for a long time and you actually, and then you finally find that, that item, well, that's an awesome thing. And, and, and it brings joy and it, and it brings that um, relief. Um, we just got back um, from our family reunion. Uh, and one night my, my wife lost her phone. Whenever she loses her phone, she always blames it on me. She thinks I stole it and hid it somewhere as a joke. Uh, every time, I don't know why. I maybe done that once, um, but she couldn't find it anywhere. We call it, we can't hear it, um, and you know how you know people are without their phone. There, we're searching everywhere, um, and we finally found it. And, and when something like that happens, you get the sense of, of relief and joy. I use that example because maybe that's happened to you: uh, phone, car key, something like that, right? And, and you find it, and you just have the happiness. Um, my son and daughter um, like to go out marble hunting. Maybe, maybe me too, I guess. Um, it's, this is a weird thing, okay? You're going you're gonna to hear a lot of weird things. You're going to be like, Mr. Martin has weird hobbies, okay? Um, they, these people hide these uh, special handmade marbles, and then they post it on Facebook. So these are like handcrafted glass marbles that are like $30 a piece or something like that. And then they'll hide it somewhere, um, and then they'll post pictures of it, right? Um, and then we, we're looking at the pictures, and we go and find it. So we have the first picture will be like what park to go to, and then there'll be a picture of like a random tree, and then a picture of where to dig for the marble or something. Um, and sometimes I'll, I'll let the kids find it, and they get so happy when they find that. Uh, and then my son just wants to hold it on the way home the entire time. He wants to keep it forever. Um, but it's a choking hazard, so it, it sits on my desk at, at work um, as my little trophies. Um, but it's a children thing. I, I do it for the children. Um, but they get, they get so excited, right? Um, and so it, sometimes finding things is a process. That was the point there. Sometimes finding things is a process. And I hope you hold on for that process here tonight because at the end of our passage, we're going to find a, a very amazing truth. Um, so let's look at our, our first finding, finding Philip in verse 43. Finding Philip. It says, The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip. And saith unto him, follow me. Finding uh, usually indicates searching. So here's, a, here's another one of those weird hobbies. Um, every, every year where I grew up in Wichita, Kansas, they would hide uh, a medallion. Uh, this little tiny uh, medallion, they'd hide it somewhere in the county. I'm not usually home for it, but I'm usually looking at the riddles. They, they give a riddle out every day until somebody finds it. Uh, and the, the prize used to be a car. Now it's like $1,000. Um, and so I'm always looking at it, and I'm sending my mom places to go and stuff. Um, this year, I actually got to partake in it. Uh, it actually just ended on Monday. Um, and so uh, we went to the family reunion I mentioned, and then, um, you know, my, I, as I mentioned, my, my brother's wife passed away. Uh, so I went to Wichita, Kansas for the funeral, um, and we had some downtime there, and I got to participate in this medallion hunt. Um, and I must have, I probably hiked miles. Uh, I, I drove all over town. I got several ticks on me. Um, and, and it was a lot of work, uh, only just to, to come up empty. Um, and then they, somebody else found it on Monday. Um, but people go to great lengths looking for this medallion. And I can tell you something. It, it doesn't compare to the lengths that, that Jesus takes to, to find one sinner. 
uh, doesn't compare to the, to the lengths that Jesus takes. Uh, turn to, we're going to turn to several passages. Whenever you do, hold your spot in John 1. Okay, so hold your spot in John 1. I'm going to keep you mostly in John. So let's go to John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, verse 11, it talks of the good shepherd. And, and you'll see in some of this that the links really that, that Jesus goes through in, in finding a, a lost person. It says, I, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not, uh, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hiring fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the father knoweth me, even so know I the father and lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Look down at verse 26. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Um, we, we touched on this um, in Awana once, um, and I was this, this past year, and I was, I was kind of talking over it with my son in the car, um, and he made a really good point. He, he said, um, you know, if the, if the shepherd gives his life for the sheep to protect them, they're not protected anymore. I was like, oh, that's, that's very logical. It's a good thought. But the beautiful part is our shepherd is alive. And he rose again from the dead. And, and because of that, he, he goes through great lengths to find you, but you're also secure. Whoever he finds is secure. When my son finds a marble, it's not very secure, which is why he can't keep it, because he's going to drop it on the ground, and then my, my youngest son's going to eat it, inevitably, um, which is not good. Um, another example of the great lengths that Jesus will go to is, is the woman at the well. Uh, in John 14, or I'm sorry, John chapter 4, it says, Jesus must needs go through Samaria. Why does he need to go through Samaria? for the sole purpose of meeting the woman at the well. Go back to John chapter 1. And look at verse 44. It says, Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Uh, Philip was not in the place he was from yet when, when, when Jesus found him. Uh, Jesus has gone through great lengths. To, to find Philip here. And, and Jesus goes through great lengths to find you. He left his, his throne in heaven, took upon the form of a servant, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, so that whosoever believeth in him hath everlasting life. And you know what? He finds you where you are. He found Philip right where he was. You don't have to be in some special situation in life uh, you don't have to be uh, doing all the right things. And 
another thing, just like someone is overcome with joy from finding that thing they've been searching for, guess what happens when, when, when one sinner is found? There, there is rejoicing in heaven over the one sinner found by Jesus. So Jesus found Philip. But look at what Philip does next. Look at verse uh, 45. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Philip goes and finds Nathanael to tell him. I don't know. I kind of picture Philip as being a a well-connected person. Um, Some reasons why um, when... Jesus is feeding the 5,000. That's happening in Bethsaida, where, where Philip is from. And he actually goes to Philip and says, well, where are we going to find all the food to feed all these people? And knowing that Philip knows that place and that Philip is obviously going to know that that's going to be a fruitless exercise. There's nothing, there's nothing to do there. Um, when the Greeks come to question Jesus, these are, there's not many references on Philip, but these are a few of them. Um, when, when the Greeks come to question Jesus, they go through Philip. Um, and so here we have Philip, and he... He knows of a connection nearby, and he immediately goes to that person. So Jesus came to him, and he said, follow me. And the the first thing he does is he goes and tells someone else. Now, notice some aspects of Philip's invitation here to Nathaniel. He says, we found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write. What does that mean? They found the Messiah, the one that's promised in the Old Testament, the Messiah. And then he says, well, Jesus of Nazareth. And this was often a, a tripping point for, for many people, that he was called Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, turn over to John chapter 7. In John chapter 7, we see um, the Sanhedrin getting confused over this very topic of where Jesus is from. So look at verse 40. Many of the people, John chapter 7, verse 40, Many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said of a truth, this is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, shall Christ come out of Galilee? Had not the scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was division among the people because of him. And some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. Then came the officers of the, of the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said unto them, why have ye not brought him? The officers answered, Never man spake like this man. Then answered them, the Pharisees, are ye also deceived? Have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed on him? But this people who knoweth not the law are cursed. Nicodemus saith unto them, he that that came to Jesus by night being one of them, doth our law judge any man before it hear him and know what he doeth? They'd answered and said unto him, art thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. And every man went unto his own house. That was almost like the checkmate for them. The Messiah comes out of Bethlehem, not out of Galilee. Boom, case closed, right? Go back to John chapter 1 and look what happened with Nathaniel. In in verse 46, this, this same fact tripped up Nathaniel. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing cometh out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. So he says, I don't know what Nazareth was like. I don't know of a town I could compare that to. But apparently it was a place where people said that. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And 
And then the, the next part of, of Philip's sharing the, the message here, uh, in verse 45 at the end, he says, the son of Joseph. Now, both of these are correct. He, Jesus was raised in Nazareth. He was the son of Joseph. But is that complete? Is that the whole story? I, I would think that if you're trying to lead somebody to the Messiah, you would let the fact know that he's from Bethlehem. That's what the prophets said. He just talked about the prophets, right? So he's from Bethlehem. Um, but he says he's from Nazareth, and they say he's a, he's a son of Joseph. We're going to see later, Nathaniel calls him the son of God. And, and that's who Jesus is, right? Um, but here's my point here. Don't let the fact that you don't know all the answers stop you from sharing the truth. Don't let that stop you from sharing the gospel. The moment you find Jesus, go tell somebody else. Because if you wait until you have all the answers, you're never going to tell anybody. Because we can't have all the answers. Philip does the best he can. And Jesus does the rest. At the very end, he just says, well, come and see. Come, come and see Jesus for yourself, right? We can, we can have all the right words, and, and we can wax eloquently, but it's not going to change someone's heart. Only Jesus can change somebody's heart. And praise God he does. And he's still doing it today. He is still finding people today. Praise God for, uh, for the testimony from Carl of, of people coming to Christ. Guys, that's happening all the time. But, and he's finding people all the time. The question is, are, are you finding people to tell? Are you finding people? So, so we covered finding Philip and, and finding Nathaniel, but you'll notice a, another find in, in verse 45, and that is finding Jesus. Philip said, we found him. We found the Messiah. We found Jesus. But verse 43 says Jesus was the one doing the finding. So which is it? Did Jesus find Philip or did Philip find Jesus? Yes, I heard it. Yes, both, right? Uh, both happened, okay? Uh, both are true. Um, Philip had been searching for the Messiah. Some believe that since his hometown, uh, since this was not his hometown, that he may have actually been a follower of John the Baptist. John the Baptist, of course, was a forerunner to the Messiah. They were all really looking for the Messiah and they found him. You see, Philip is not an inanimate object. When I find a marble, no one can say the marble found me. Okay? Um, that person who found the medallion, the medallion had no part, no say in that. Okay? He picked up the medallion, he wins the $1,000. Okay? But it's different when it comes to us because it's not forced. Now, some from the Calvinist persuasion will say that, that Jesus only calls those that, that will be saved. Uh, in fact, Calvinists, they, they believe in what they call um, tulip, the five points of tulip, the I uh, standing for irresistible grace, or some say an irresistible call. In other words, if Jesus calls you, you're going to, it's irresistible, you're going to accept that. When Jesus found Philip and said, follow me, did Philip have a choice? Could he have said No. Um, go with me to Mark 10. You guys, I heard you say no. And, and I mean, or, uh, you said yes. He, he, he had the chance to say no. Um, but I want to show you in Scripture, in Mark chapter 10, this is a very similar call. 
Remember, hold your spot in John 1, please. We'll be back. Um, But Mark chapter 10. We're going to see a very similar call that the other apostles had. In verse 17. So Mark chapter 10, verse 17. It says, when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running. This guy was seeking Jesus. And he kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus say, saith unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these I have observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and saith unto him, One thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come take up the cross. And what's those last words? And, f- and follow me. This is the exact same call the apostles had. Leave everything you had. Leave, leave your livelihood. It's the same call Philip and Peter had. Leave your livelihood. F- leave your fishing. Leave your family and come follow me. And what did the rich young ruler say? He said, I can't do that. Um, and he walked away. And so, yeah, we have a choice. Um, and, and even verse 21, I, I find that interesting. He, he said, Jesus loved him. And he said, follow me. You know, all, this is kind of just a side note, but all that's needed for, to know that you're guilty, the Bible says if you break one law, you're guilty of all. So when Jesus said, thou lackest one thing, that's enough right there, right? He lacked something. Um, but, but he, he wouldn't follow, uh, go back to John chapter one. So there's Philip was not forced. So there's a reason why we say, um, so-and-so found Jesus. Maybe you've heard that phrase, right? Uh, so-and-so found Jesus, um, because they, they chose to respond to that call. Um, it's like if I lost my son in Coles, which may have happened once, um, and I go around calling his name. He hears that, and, and he comes to my voice. When we see each other, well, I'm going to say to him, I, I found you, and I'm going to give him a hug. Simultaneously, he's going to be like, I found you, Dad, and he's going to give me a hug. Um, and it's this mutual finding, really. And so the question is, 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 have you responded to the call? Now, I know the call we're talking about in John chapter 1 specifically is a call to follow. But there is a similar call to salvation. Um, the Bible says that, that the wages of sin is death. Um, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of that sin is death. That is eternal separation from God. No, no sin can enter the presence of heaven. But God, because he loved us, sent his son to die on the cross. The Bible says without the, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And he shed his blood on the cross. And the Bible says that whosoever believeth will have everlasting life. Because if we trust God for our salvation, his blood is upon us. And when God looks down, he doesn't see our sin, but he sees that blood. And I know this is the middle of my service, um, but I want to just give a little, test, a little um, message right here. If we could just bow our heads real quick. Because uh, I, I, know, um, I know many here, but I don't know everybody. Um, if there's anybody here today who would say, you know, I, I, I have not answered that call. 
Uh, or maybe if there's even somebody listening online or, or, or by video stream who says, that, you know, I haven't answered that call. The Bible says all you have to do is, is trust him. You realize you're a sinner and you trust him for that salvation. And so I'm just going to say a little prayer. And, and you don't have to, it's not the words that save you. It's, it's believing. It's trusting. Um, accepting that, that free gift. And so I'm, I'm going to say a little prayer. And, and if you mean it today, if you've never done that before, I want you to pray this um, in, in your head. Um, and it, just pray something like this, like, dear God, I, I know I'm a sinner. I, I know that you died on the cross for my sins, and I know I can't pay that, that penalty. The penalty is death. I know I cannot pay that penalty by myself. But Father, I, I know you sent your son to die on the cross to pay that penalty, and I'm trusting in that free gift of salvation today. Amen. If You, you can um, lift your heads and, and open your eyes again. Um, but if, if you said that prayer and you mean it, you've answered that call. There, there, there's, there's rejoicing in heaven. And, and hopefully, you've, if you haven't done that tonight, that you've done that before. Um, and if you have answered that call before, well, then read on because the story's not over yet. The story's not over yet. And in the next section, I see three instances of seeing. Um, so first, we see that, that uh, Jesus sees Nathaniel. So look at verse 47. Jesus saw Nathanael. Jesus saw Nathanael uh, coming to him, and saith of him, "Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile." Nathanael saith unto him, "Whence knowest thou me?" Jesus answered, said, "Because that Philip, before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee." Uh, Jesus sees Nathanael. Jesus sees you. There's nothing that takes him by surprise. He knows every sin you've ever committed, and he still loves you, and he still died for you. He sees everything. And Jesus sees Nathaniel, and this is not just a, he saw him approaching, he saw him approaching, but he see, there was a miraculous scene where he saw him under a fig tree that apparently Jesus wasn't there, and it was a miraculous thing because it really convinces Nathaniel here. Um, so the next thing we see is, is Nathaniel sees the truth. Look at verse 49. Nathaniel answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. So Jesus sees Nathaniel, Nathaniel sees the truth, but there's this amazing nugget I, I want us to find today, and I, I'm going fast because I'm running out of time. Um, but, but look at verse 50 and 51. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Can I put that in my vernacular? You know, like young people talk or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, he says, he says, what? Because I saw you under a fig tree, Nathaniel, you haven't seen nothing yet. That, that's what Jesus is saying here. You haven't seen nothing yet. By that, I mean, you're going to see so much more. That's what you're shocked by. Just wait and see. Now I know we're, we're talking about the calling of apostles, but you know, Jesus said, "Believest thou, Believest thou. I believe this account is very much a conversion experience of Nathaniel. He believed. After salvation, guys, God wants so much more for you. He wants so much more for you. Now, it's not appropriate to say you haven't seen nothing yet because salvation is amazing. It's miraculous. It's a miracle. To trade our sins for his righteousness, that's literally something that only God can do. But it, it is just the beginning. 
the tip of the iceberg. I've been off work for a while, um, and we were on our family reunion. Then, like I said, my, my brother's wife um, passed away, so I flew to Wichita. While I was there, something else happened, happened uh, awesome happened, other than the medallion hunt. Um, my stepdad was, was baptized. He, he just recently accepted the Lord as a Savior. Um, and I got to be there for that. Uh, one thing the pastor said uh, that morning is, some people have accepted Christ, but never really followed Christ. Maybe you've accepted Christ as your Savior, and that is amazing. But are you following him? Something that happens after salvation. He wants to show you heaven opening. Angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now, Nathaniel did not literally see heaven open as far as we know, but he saw the effects. And it's reminiscent of Jacob's ladder in the Old Testament. When, when Jacob was, uh, saw the ladder, he saw angels ascending and descending on the ladder. That ladder, that connection between heaven and earth is now Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is on the right hand of the Father, and he petitions on our behalf. And you can still see amazing things. You can still see amazing things today. I want to take you to one passage. It's the last passage I, I know of um, an account from Philip, and that is John chapter 14. We're done in John 1. You don't have to hold your spot in John 1 anymore. Um, but John chapter 14. Again, here's, here's an account of Philip in, in verse 8. It says, Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it suffices thus. Jesus, Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father, and how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Believeth me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Look at this. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, and he that knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live. Because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Manifest myself to him. Greater works. If that passage doesn't blow you away, I don't know what will. The apostles go on to, to turn the world upside down. We may not see the miracles that the apostles saw on the day of Pentecost, but Jesus is still that connection between heaven and earth. We still have the Holy Spirit. We still have the Comforter. You can still see the effects of angels ascending and descending. Finding Jesus is just the beginning. You've accepted the free gift of salvation, but now I'm asking, not as part of salvation, but as something that ought to come after, will you follow him? 
God loves you and God wants so much more for you. Now, I won't sugarcoat it. On, on paper, the life of an apostle looked difficult. The stuff they left behind, most of them dying a martyr's death. But there was a reason the persecuted church spread so rapidly. Those in the early church who died for Christ, they did so with joy on their faces. And, and if you asked them, they would not have taken any of that back. And, and Jesus gives us the warning. He said, the world hated me. He said, if the world hated me, which it did, then the world will hate you too. I think we're starting to see that a little bit in America. I was thinking about that word, the hate. It's a very strong word. It's not, it's, not a, it's not an annoyance anymore. A lot of times what you see, it's literal hate. You can hear it in their voices, see it in their actions. And that's something that we can expect. But I guarantee you, not one apostle, not one martyr would have had it any other way. Will you follow him? God loves you and he wants more for you. So much that this world cannot give you. The comforter, the actions, will you follow him? Um, I want to close. I, I threw a little curveball for, for Pastor Self here, and I asked him to close in a song. Um, and so if it's not on your screens, it's on page 388 in your hymnal. It is on the screen. Uh, where he leads me, I, I will follow. Uh, usually I close in prayer, but I want this to be um, your prayer tonight um, and, and make a commitment of, of following Christ. Pastor, I'll let Pastor Self lead the music because that's not my, my cup of tea.